Um, all right, let's get into it, John. So that's uh, that's a, a wrap on J.J. Watt. He'll come up again a little later on in the show, for real or Fugazi. Um, but let's get to this uh, Jacksonville game. Um, we'll, we'll bang this out quick. This is a game that Jacksonville doesn't need to win. If they just win in Week 18 against the Tennessee Titans, they will be the champs of the AFC South, and they'll be the fourth seed in the um, – in the conference. So I guess really all this is the, all that's at stake for the Jags on Sunday on new year's day is maintaining the momentum they've generated. Right. Doug Peterson says he's going to play everybody because he wants to keep that momentum going. They've won five of seven. They've won three in a row during that stretch. Trevor Lawrence has 14 touchdowns and one interception and in the same reason, the Titans, they're not going to rest Derrick Henry. They're trying to break a losing streak. They don't want to lose another one by just giving up on it. And against the Cowboys, they're going to lose anyway. But uh, I just think it's very interesting that both of them are going to do everything they can to win their game, even though it means nothing in the whole scheme of things. Texans, of course, would like to beat Jaguars 10 in a row. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing Jaguars – I'm tired of saying they get swept by the Texans every year. Yep, every year since 2017 when the Jags made it to the AFC title game. Um, as far as what these games mean for the Texans draft capital, if they do lose to the Jags and the Bears are able to pull off what would be a mild upset against the Lions, uh, the Texans will have the number one. We won't need to worry about what happens in Week 18. The Texans will clinch the number one overall pick in the draft. I think that would be great. I think it'd be great for the Texans to win out and get the first overall pick. That's going to be tough. (laughs) That would be tough, but that would be a perfect scenario. Um, I'm for getting that top pick. I don't, it's it's easy for us to say Lovey Smith's jobs on the line. I think if they went out, plus they look good in the last two and they did it with injuries, maybe he comes back as me if they don't clean house and bring in a new coaching staff and uh, uh, and then, of course, have the franchise quarterback. And people get really fired up. But the fact is they've been playing harder and they played better. And I'm surprised because they've got so many injuries and they're not nobody. No, the quarterbacks are not consistent. You know, I'm tired of Jeff Driscoll. I'm ready to go with Davis Mills to, to, to the whole game. And yeah. At the end of that last game when he had two scoring drives, he played every play. They didn't bring in Jeff Driscoll. So enough of that, but I'm afraid Pep Hamilton's going to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's 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 rapid fire a few uh, things to watch for the game on Sunday, John. Go ahead. You go first. To see if Davis Mills can play an entire game the way he played the last two scoring series against uh, uh, the Titans when he was, I think, 9 of 9 for 112 yards. And uh, he's got to quit running with the ball and holding it out in front of him like Jeez. a loaf of bread. My God. It's pretty obvious he doesn't have a lot of experience running. He got lucky in the last game when Rex Burkhead made the best play of his career with the Texans and fell on the fell on the football for a touchdown. But I, I would like to see Mills be consistent for the first time since the end of last season because he was terrible in the third quarter. I was ready to bring back Kyle Allen, and then all of a sudden, the two series where they leave it, leave him in, he goes down and puts uh, ten points on the board. Yep, sure did. Um, no, that's uh, it's interesting, John. You know, like a month ago, everybody was getting fired. Lovey's getting fired. Pep's getting fired. Davis Mills is not the guy. And they're going to have the first overall pick. Like now, all of a sudden, over these last few games, like 
other than Pep, who I think is going to be gone. Like, I, I that can't be salvaged. Yeah, and Mills isn't going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, and I don't think so either. I, I don't think so either. I, I think it's got a higher probability than Pep coming back. The other two are all of a sudden super interesting. The Lovey Smith story and the first overall pick are all of a sudden kind of thrown up into the air, and they're 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 really inextricably linked, you know. And and if you if they win games, Lovey could be back, and they're not picking first. If they lose these games, they're they're picking first for sure. These last two games, and then maybe Lovey goes. So I, if you're a Texan fan who just has a hard time rooting against your team, this is a very conflicting couple of weeks coming up. I would imagine. Well, if you're to me, I want them to get the first pick. I did a deep dive on Bryce Young, who I've seen almost every game he's played. Mm-hmm. We'll watch him play the last game on Saturday, hoping he doesn't get hurt and have that decision backfire on him, as well as. Will Anderson uh, Jr., uh, the best edge rusher in the draft. But um, people that I respect, like Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, we had Ross Tucker on with us. Ross, it was obvious he's watched a lot. And something that Ross said is because he's smaller, he said, but he can play in the pocket. He's fearless. He never takes a direct shot. But you have to have a coach that knows how to coach a quarterback like that who can't just stand in the pocket. It's got to be able to slide left or right and throw between the tackles, throw on the run. You don't want somebody that's going to say, okay, he's going to be a pocket passer. So uh, if they bring back Lovey, it's going to be hard to get an offensive coordinator, play caller like that, knowing there's a chance he could get fired after a year. You'd have to give him probably a five-year contract for a couple of million a year. But uh, I, I think when all said and done, I don't think they're going to win these last two, and I think Lovey's going to get fired. Yeah, I think Colts game is scaring me a little bit, John. Nick Foles is awful. He's terrible. So well, we'll- he hadn't played in a long time, yeah. too. Maybe by the time he plays against then, he got back into the scheme of things. You know, as Deshaun Watson's showing, when you don't play – for a long time. It's hard. It is. Yep. Uh, all right, John, my first one here. We'll rapid fire these six packs. We don't need to dig too deep on all these. Oba Okoronkwo has been really, really good over the last several weeks, and he was great in the game against the Titans. Johnny had five tackles in the game. Three of them were sacks. No, two of them were sacks, and three of them were TFLs. So if Oba Okoronkwo was hitting a Tennessee Titan, that play was going backwards in that game. Um, he's been really good. Houston native. Um, as we start to kind of take a look at the roster of, okay, who are some of the guys that we're hoping that the the team decides to keep around? Um, Okoronkwo is a guy I'd like to see come back with this team in, in uh, 2023. He's, he's kind of short thing. He's gotten, he was really bad with his run fits early in the season. He's gotten, he's improved there and he, he's getting a ton of snaps and he deserves it right now. He started the last six games, one of them against the Dolphins. He got goose eggs across the board, but in those five games, the other five starts, He has 20 tackles, 13 unassisted, four sacks, seven hits on the quarterback, five tackles for loss, and he signed a one-year deal. And you know Nick Casario would like to bring him back. Uh, One of the things that's very interesting, you know, they have done everything they can for the last two years to get players who play a Mm 4-3. That's not important in the secondary, but it's very important in the defensive line at linebacker. So if they were to bring in a coach who installed a 3-4, Ogbo would be an outside linebacker. He's certainly the size of an outside linebacker. He's lighter for most outside linebackers in a 3-4, but they have to bring him back. Jacques is there, the 
defensive line coach has done a good job coaching him, and he's somebody we're seeing making progress and need to see more of those. Yep. All right, who's your next one, John? Uh, Kaimi Fairbairn. Mm. You know, most of their games are close. He has 27 of 29 field goals. He has not missed an extra point. Usually he misses two or three extra points. He's kicked 17 field goals in a row. He has 102 points. He's one of three kickers who have made five field goals from 50-plus. He has only one miss inside the 40. And his kickoffs, he's got 15 touchbacks. I think he is having a tremendous season. And they don't score a lot of touchdowns for him, but he has been really good placing the ball on kickoff returns. They are number one in the average starting position for opponents. And they're number one by a long shot. And I think special teams, which we both grade high every week, mm-hmm. need to get that kind of recognition. The opponent's starting yard line is the 221 Next closest, 24. So we know Frank Ross has done a great job. But Kaimi Fairbairn, he and the coverage team and the protection team, led by the greatest snapper in history in John Weeks, they have done a tremendous job. Yeah, no, Kaimi's been really good this year. I was down on Kaimi mostly because I thought he was overpaid. Um, And he was for the last couple of years. He hadn't been as good. But he's he's definitely been a bright spot. Um, All right, John, my second one is uh, Malik Collins. Uh, who's been great since coming back in week 10 in that game against the Giants. He's got two and a half sacks. He's got a handful of TFLs. He's got over the past five games since the Miami game. He was he was the, one of the few bright spots in that Miami game. He's got seven TFLs in the last five games. He's had, he got a bunch of QB hits. Um, more than anything else, when he's hitting, he's hitting hard. You know, he's he's been physical. And I think this defense overall – has been a much more physical defense over the last month or so. They've, they've really been doing some some hitting out there, um, some of it generating some fines for some of our favorite players like Jalen Petrie. But um, but I think they've been tone setters on that side. They haven't been great against the run. They still gave up a buck 20-something to Derrick Henry last week. He averaged five and a half yards a carry. But they've been better, and Malik Collins is a guy who he, he will be back next year. He signed a two-year deal to stay here this past offseason. So, um against uh against the Jags this weekend and you know we'll see how they run the ball with Travis Etienne um but uh Malik Collins is one to watch for me he's one of those guys those veteran guys I feel I feel like I feel Nick's Nick's had some misses but he's had some hits and I feel like Malik Collins and Okoronkwo have both been hits for Nick Casario um there's a great story on pro football talk written by Shereen Williams and I'm gonna go through this fast uh Shereen Williams had a friend in California who met a woman from Houston who moved out there to go to school who had a son and they didn't have any other family members. And so the woman asked people in her neighborhood, if they could send Christmas cards to her son, that's all he wanted. He's 16. So Shereen asked several teams, including the Texans and some of her friends like me, would we send Christmas cards? And we did to the son. And so, uh, Everett Gearlings, the uh, one of the PR guys, was down getting a thing signed by the players, and Malik said, "What's this about?" And he told him. He said, uh, "It's about, I don't know who it is. It's uh, Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk, asked me to get some stuff signed for a uh, 
teenager in California, doesn't have family members or friends, and he's a Texas, turns out they're Texans fans, and they wanted Christmas cards. To make a long story short, uh, Malik did a FaceTime, a surprise FaceTime hmm. with the mother and the son when he got to Nashville and invited them to come to Houston for the Jacksonville game. He hmm. would take care of everything and he would take them on the sideline and he would take them out and it, they just started balling. They couldn't hmm. believe it. So hats off to Malik Collins for a unbelievable gesture for this mom and her son Texans fans from Houston who hope when she gets through a school out there to move back here and I just what a first class thing for him to do it shows something about Malik Collins the tough guy on the field that we from football yeah no that's a, I'm glad you shared that story John that's a really really cool really really cool story makes me uh makes me want to root even more for uh for Malik Collins all right what's my your last other one my yeah. last one is this the rookies on defense, mm -hmm. the Texans uh, rookies this season have played the second most snaps in the league to the Bears. Mm. And uh, two that's worst teams. The, <laughs> that's just the defensive rookies. Yep. And they have the defensive rookies, six interceptions led by Petrie. They're second to Seattle among their rookies. And, uh, this was strange to me. Against the Chiefs, Christian Harris had 14 tackles and Jalen Petrie had 13. So mm. there's two rookies with 27 tackles. No other two rookies for any team have come close to that since 2009. And uh, so there's a lot of good things that the rookies are doing, led by Petrie. Petrie's going to end up second in tackles to, uh, behind D'Amico Ryans. Petrie has 126 for rookies. D'Amico had 156. Brian Cushing had 133. He'll pass him this week. And I'm uh, thinking if Petrie made tackles he missed, he might be closing in on D'Amico. And uh, he's the only player in the NFL who's in the top 15 in tackles and interceptions. So despite missing those, tackles that he was doing midway through the season. He has bounced back since that move to free safety and become a huge weapon. And uh, uh, he's got a chance to be the best safety in NFL history, just like John Weeks is the best. <laughs> he does have that chance, John. That is true. Um, all right. My last one is the Texans offensive line. Um, just what's it going to look like this week? It was a triage unit at the end of that game against Tennessee. They were down to their fourth left guard. You know, and you obviously Kenyon Green out, although it sounds like Kenyon Green could be back this week, according to Lovey Smith. The injury report that'll come out today, we're recording this on Wednesday to drop on Thursday, will be very telling. Um, if Kenyon Green, you know, what's his status? You know, hopefully he's maybe limited or full, obviously, hopefully he's full go because I think it's important that he get as many reps as he possibly can. Um, but what's it look like? A Titus Howard was in concussion protocol when we last saw him. Uh, Jimmy Morrissey followed him into concussion protocol. They were down to Justin McCray, their fourth option at left guard, who himself was playing kind of banged up in that game. So what's it look like? Is Charlie Heck going to get another start at right tackle? Um, does Laramie Tunsil continue to perform at a Pro Bowl level? The offensive line has done a really, really good job in pass protection over the last month or so. So what's that going to look like based on all the injuries that we're seeing right now along the offensive line. 
The offensive line has not given up a sack in four consecutive games. They had two shutouts against Cleveland and Miles Garrett and Dallas and Micah Parsons. They gave up one when Driscoll ran out of bounds instead of throwing it away. Mm-hmm. And then they gave up one in the last game when Mills held the ball so long he could eat a sandwich. That was on him. <laughs> so the team has given up two in four games. The linemen have given up zero. And I'm thinking next year, when you got left tackle Laramie Tunsil, who's been great in pass protection, and right tackle Titus Howard both playing for contracts, you're going to get the very best out of them. And, and I think Kenyon Green will be a lot better. in the When we had Ross Tucker on, he's a former offensive tackle, we talked to him extensively about Kenyon Green mm-hmm. and what basically most linemen have to do between their first and second seasons. And he said not only continue to work on techniques, but they got to get stronger. And he's been susceptible to the bull rush, as we saw Jonathan Allen humiliate him against Washington. And so that's the kind of thing in offseason, you work your tail off in the weight room, you can come back stronger and be a whole lot more confident. And he's a hard worker. He'll continue to work on the technique. So I expect he'll be worth the pick 15th that they gave for him. And, but they still, what they need first and foremost is a center. And I think that would be someone that Nick Casario will spend free agent money on. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I'm, I'm all for him using that cap space to fix the, the trenches on both sides, but particularly the, in the interior of the offensive line to, uh, to put around Kenyon green there. Um, all right. Um, so that's our pregame six pack. John, uh, before we get into a few for real or fugazis, what's your prediction on the game? I predict the Jaguars will come in here and break the winning streak. Uh, let's see, 20 to 17. Okay. Yeah. I was, I'm at 23 20 Jags too. So spreads four, right? Spread is four. Yes. Yes. It is four. So, both of these games are going to be uh, – I can't wait to see what the spread is going to be on that Colts game. The Colts are a really, really bad football team right now. Really bad. Um, if starting with here, Texas might be favored. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they may very well be. Absolutely. Hell, if the Titans game were here, they would have been favored. They were only three-point underdogs up in Tennessee. <laughs> oh. Right? <laughs> yep. 